0: reading from Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God.
1: Well, good morning. It's good to be together and... Good to have our sister Adrienne back and leading us, and it's just a joy to to be in fellowship with the Lord, uh, with you, together. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're we're walking through what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. To follow in the dust of the rabbi. And as we do that, I've been sharing photos with you, images of our journey to the Holy Land. Just uh, the joy of being able to walk where Jesus walked. I learned something recently about Mark Twain. He was in the Holy Land, and he was there with his bride. And it was one of those beautiful nights uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And he went down to the Sea of Galilee, and he wanted to, to take his wife out on a boat onto the sea. Mark Twain had a white suit white boots a white Texas cowboy hat that he often wore and so as he was walking down and there was the oarsman who owned the boat the oarsman thought to himself as he saw Mark Twain approaching this must be a wealthy Texas rancher and so I'm going to charge him a lot Mark Twain showed up and said, how much would it be to, to take my wife and I out onto the, to the Sea of Galilee? And the owner of the boat said, it'll be $25, which was quite an astronomical fee. So Mark Twain refused, and he turned around and he walked away with his wife. And those who were nearby heard Mark Twain say, no wonder Jesus walked on the water. <laughs> I think there's more to the story, and I hope that the Lord will minister that to us this morning. Why did Jesus walk on the water? What was He all about? What can we learn as disciples of Jesus Christ about who He is as we long to follow Him? Adrienne shared it was an amazing day. It was a day full of, of grieving. It was a day full of ministry feeding of the 5,000. Can you imagine the scene? It was more like twenty to 25,000. They only count the men. They don't count all the children and the wives. Can you imagine as a disciple of Jesus Christ experiencing and being part of God's power in the feeding of the 5,000? What a day it had been. And yet, Jesus wanted to teach his disciples more about who he was. Because, you know what, here's the truth. The disciples, even after that incredible episode of feeding 5,000, it's, it's the one miracle that's in all of the Gospels because it's so significant about who God is and his authority and his power and his control and his provision and his love. But you know what? Even after that, his disciples didn't get it. They didn't get it. Who is this Jesus we're walking with? And I know for us, as followers of Christ, along the journey sometimes, we just still don't get it. God has showed up in a lot of ways in our lives. He's changed us. He's transformed us. We're made into his image. He's, he's given us salvation. He's given us life. And we still don't get it. Here's one thing I love about our Lord. He knows that. And he still keeps coming by our side. And he still wants to grow us up. And he wants us to know him at a deeper level. That we would fall in love with him more. That we would learn to trust him more. Remember, Jesus is in the growing of our faith business. He's conforming us into the image of his Father and the image of himself. Making us like him. And so the Lord is always doing that work with you and me. And so it's a beautiful passage to see how the Lord is stretching and growing his disciples. That they needed to know more about their Savior that they didn't quite get yet. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 14. And then what I'd like you to do uh, is to get a finger into Mark chapter 6. okay? And we'll be be looking at uh, verses 45 and on in in Mark chapter 6 at different times uh, this morning. But one of the other passages that speaks to this. So here's what the scriptures say in Matthew. Immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, verse 22, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. The other gospels say they went into the boat towards, it would be northern, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee where there is Bethsaida and where there is Capernaum. So they were headed that direction north. Uh... To, remember, Capernaum was where Jesus kind of lived while he was in Galilee. Bethsaida is where a lot of the disciples came from. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip. And Bethsaida means fishing town. So that's where a lot of the fishermen came from. But they're headed that direction, north. And Jesus sends them out immediately onto the sea. And they're out there for quite some time. You know, it's really amazing. They, um, archaeology Today uh, found some recent photos... Uh, of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. It's unbelievable find. And uh, so I just wanted to show. Uh, this is uh, James, and he uh, apparently wanted to play Titanic, like all the fishermen did out there. King of the world, you know, kind of a deal. Now, this is the, this is the boat that we went out onto the Sea of Galilee with uh, the 25 of us, and, and we're blessed in, a, in an amazing day to reflect and to think about Uh, What what God had done in this region and what he had done on this sea. And it was a time again to thank the Lord. This is Peter. Uh, We know this is Peter because Peter was the rock and he did uh, Christian rock music. uh, The first uh, that we have. I know. Dumb joke. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. He sends the disciples out onto the sea. And Jesus is on the land and he stays behind and he dismisses the crowd. You know, gives them, provides and is their provision and reveals himself and expresses his love, meets their needs. And then he dismisses the crowd. And right away from that place, sends the guys out on the boat. And what does Jesus do? He goes to pray. He goes to be with his father. One of the things as I was reading this passage and and I was reminded of as a follower of Jesus Christ of which I want to keep growing in, is that Jesus, all of his life, and what he showed us, was that he was all about talking to the Father. Every day. Every day. He didn't do anything, he didn't go anywhere without talking with the Father. And it just reminded me, as a a follower, one who desires to follow Christ, that I need to become more and more, a man of prayer. And for us as a church family, that we, if we want to follow Jesus and really learn what it means to be a disciple, that we are learning to become people of prayer, that we're seeking after the Father, that literally we would wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I don't want to just go to work and just do it on my own. I don't want to just, you know, raise the kids and do it on my own. Lord, what do you have for me today? Jesus did that every day. <clears throat> always in the middle of life. He always found time to do it. And it poured out, and, 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 and the, the lifestyle and the way he lived so much impacted his disciples who were with him all the time that they said this, and it's the only thing... They ever asked Jesus to teach them. Lord, teach us how to pray. Isn't that amazing? Not teach us how to cast out demons, not teach us how to do ministry better. Lord, teach us how to pray. It's the only thing they asked of Jesus, to teach them. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Then ask the Lord, Lord, help me, show me, reveal yourself. I want to be one who is in connection with the Father. And then we become people of prayer. That's what it was to be a disciple. And they saw that in Jesus. And right away after this incredible day, again a day of grieving over the loss of John the Baptist, he loved him. After a day of, of, of really living out the power of the Father and the flesh of Jesus, he went to pray. Verse 24 says, while he's praying, the guys in the boat were a long way off and they were beaten by the waves. Now you've got to picture the scene. All these guys in the boat, there's a bunch of them who are seasoned fishermen. They've been on this lake their whole life, they know water, they know storms. So you can only imagine that this storm that came up was beyond anything that they were used to. To cause these guys to be afraid, a storm on this sea that that would turn them upside down and and, and leave them with an incredible fear, it must have been a massive storm that came through. When we were on the Sea of Galilee this year, we, we had been three years before, and we went in the morning... And it was glass. It was like, oh, I need a ski boat. This is the perfect glassy ski water, you know. This time when we went, we went at 4 in the afternoon. And, and it was windy as all get out. And definitely the waves were kicking up. They were beaten by the waves. And, you know, amazingly, in this big storm, there was a guy on the shore. He had an iPod phone. And he got a picture of the boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, there it is. There uh, it is. And uh, it was a perfect storm, apparently. But let me, let me show you the real boat. This is, a first century, this is a first century boat that they found. Leave it on this shot, if you would. And I want to give you a real feel of what fishermen fished in. They pulled this out of, of, uh, of the sea, and amazingly, it was well preserved. But this is a typical first century fishing boat. It would have been probably what the guys fished in. It wasn't big. You'd be pretty jam-packed in there with a bunch of guys. The, the side, you know, the railing would have been very low to the water. So you can imagine the fear as the storms were cranking up in this type of fishing boat as they were out at the sea. The ones that we go on now as tourists are these massive fishing boats, very stable. So here the guys are out in this boat. In the middle, they're far off and they're getting beaten by the storm and they're scared to death. And then verse 25 says, In the watch of the night, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came out to them in the middle of the sea. As you study this passage, and I know it's familiar to you, but one of the things that stuck out to me is that after. Jesus had dismissed them and sent them out into the middle of the water to go across to the other side. He went and he was praying with the Father, and then there was quite some time that went by, probably up to six hours that went by. And then in the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m., he came out to the disciples. And here's one thing that struck me. Jesus waited. He waited. They're right in the middle of the storm. They're struggling against the sea. And he waited. You know what? In our faith, I think we don't get that. We don't get, Lord, why in the world aren't you here right now? Why haven't you come out? Can't you see that I'm going against the waves? Can't you see that we're probably going to die? But Jesus waited. You know, there's something about our Lord that he does with us where he allows us to encounter the storm. And he allows us to face it and deal with all that we're dealing with with our faith. Sometimes he intentionally puts us right in the middle of it. You struggle with that. I do. What do you mean, Lord, you're going to put me right in the middle of this storm? There's something, though... And I don't know how God works all this out, but there's something to me where I go, you know what, there's something that's reassuring where I go, the Lord is in control of this storm. He has his hand upon it. And whatever he wants to do with that storm, he can do. And so I can rest in the power of God. I can rest in the fact that he has my life. But Jesus waits. And I know some of you are right there right now. you are like, hello, Jesus. Did you not notice I'm right here in the storm? Why did you send us out here in the first place? But Jesus allows them to face it. And Jesus is stretching their faith, remember? He doesn't do things just, you know, well, what the heck, let's just send the guys to the other side. He's growing them up and he's growing us up. He's testing our faith and he waits. Now look over at Mark chapter 6, because he finally does come. He finally shows up in Mark chapter 6, and it says this. It's kind of an interesting verse, an interesting passage. He came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to, or he intended to, or he was about to pass them by. In the middle of a storm, he walked out, and the scriptures say he was about to pass them by. And you go, what? What is going on in this scene? Is Jesus all of a sudden walking out on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of this incredible storm that is causing these guys amazing fear? And Jesus is cruising along, and he's on the Sea of Galilee. He's like, oh, hey, guys. I didn't see you there. I was about to pass you by. Is Jesus showing off? He's one of the guys, you know, a little trash talking. Hey, who's king of the water? You know? I mean, what... He's about to pass them by? What? It's an interesting passage. You go, what's intended here? What is taking place? Would Jesus really walk by them and miss that they're in the middle of the storm? You know, it made me think about our Lord, and the question I have for all of us is, do you think for one minute, while they were out in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, that Jesus didn't have his eyes on those guys? Do you think he turned away from them and, good luck, hope you make it? Do you think he sent them into the middle of the storm and just was going to say, well, I hope it works out? I don't believe so. I don't believe that's the character of our God that he doesn't take his eyes off of us. For God so loved the world, he paid an incredible price for us. And when we become his children, like parents at a grocery store, we're not going to lose sight of you. I know some of you have failed miserably in this area. (laughs) We lose sight of our kids. Jesus doesn't. not going to lose sight of you. And he's not going to ever let go of his amazing love of you. So he's passing them by. John Ortberg gives some great insight into this passage and into the use of this term, and I want to share it with you. Because the term to pass by is used several times in scriptures, and especially in the Old Testament, it's used of God. And it's used of God when he's about to do an amazing work. The terminology to pass by is used of God when he's about to reveal himself in a powerful way. It's used of the Lord when he's about to come alongside those who are fearful and struggling. Remember that guy named Moses? Moses encounters the living God. And here's what God speaks to Moses Moses, I need to put you into the side of this mountain, into the cleft of this mountain. Because I am about to pass by in all of my glory. Moses was scared to death. God was calling Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. God was calling Moses to bring forth the Ten Commandments. God was calling Moses in his weakness, but but, but I stutter, God. I know. I'm asking you to do something I know you're scared to death of but I'm about to pass by and you're about to live only in the power of God. I will lead you. And Jesus was about to pass by. Remember that guy Elijah? Yahweh is God, his name means. He just had that incredible victory on Mount Carmel, wiped out all the Baal prophets, fire from heaven came down, then we see him scared to death because Jezebel says, I'm going to nuke you. And so he's hiding under a bush tree where angels ministered to him and provided food and drink. And the next thing you know, he's, he's headed along and he ends up in a cave. And God shows up. says, what are you doing in the cave? I am about to pass by. And he comes and he passes by, and God shows up in the middle of that. First, there is, there is wind and there is fire, and, and Moses is, or Elijah is looking for God in that. But then there's a small wind, a small voice, and in the still of that cave, he hears the voice of God. Elijah' scared to death. He thinks he's going to get murdered. And God says, hey, Elijah, I have more work for you to do. You've trusted in me. You've depended on me. I've been your God. I've showed up. I'm going to keep showing up. Now I need you to go, and I need you to go anoint kings. And I need you to go hook up with Elisha, who is going to follow you. And I need you to pass the baton to Elisha. I've got more for you to do. The power of God is revealed to these men. He gets their attention in incredible ways and he he draws them closer to himself. And what he does in the middle of all this is he calls each to something truly incredible. Something that, you know what, they can't do on their own. That's what New Covenant is. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, right? There's nothing... There's nothing that I do. There's nothing that happens unless it's Christ working through me. That's New Covenant. And that's what God's doing with these men and he's moving them. And I think the Lord wants to do that with us. In our fear, when we don't understand where we're headed, and he's speaking to us as disciples of Jesus Christ and calling us. Will you come follow? Will you let me live my life out through you? You're no longer your own. I have purpose for your life. And he shows up. And Jesus was about to pass them by. Did he not see him? No. He's about to do an amazing work. Just like he's done in our lives. I mean, truly, think about your salvation. What an amazing work of transformation. Some of you know exactly where you were at when God got a hold of you. Changed you upside down, inside out. That's what God wants to do with each of us. He's about to do this amazing work with a guy named Peter, the one he calls the rock. And don't you love it? I mean, and this is what God does through his son Jesus. He shows up at incredible times. It's three in the morning. God ever do that with you guys? The three in the morning? Hello, I'm here. And you're like, but Lord, I need to catch a few more Z's, you know? No. I'm showing up now because I know what you're struggling with and I know what you're afraid of and I'm going to work in your life and I want you to trust me and I want you to take a step of faith. I'm about to do an amazing work in your life as you see the power of God manifest. God keeps stretching us, shows up at incredible hours. And you know what, If the guys weren't really looking for him. They were afraid and, and they think it's a ghost. Same things with us. You know, If we're not looking for Christ to work in these things, we get freaked out. If we're not looking for Christ to work in our lives, we start to go to fear. He shows up. Again, you go, where are the disciples at? They're thinking it's a ghost. What, what, is, what is controlling them? They are terrified. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord. If you're right there in the middle of the sea right now, if the the waves are coming up over the edge of the boat, this is what the Lord says, Jesus. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, dear saints. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. He's right there with you. He never took his eyes off of you. But for whatever reason, and this is only God's plan, for whatever reason, he's letting you be right in the middle of the storm right now. But don't miss this part. And he shows up. And he shows up. Do not be afraid. Jesus, again, is going to do an amazing work with Peter. And he's about to step in. And he says this. Peter says this, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you onto the water. And look what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, Come, Peter. You know what Jesus didn't say is, You know what, Peter? You're not quite ready. You know what, Peter? You're just a Padawan learner. You're not the Jedi quite yet. You know what I mean? You got to get there and be a Jedi And uh, only Jedis walk on water. To understand about our faith journey, that's what God is doing with each of us. He's calling us right in the middle of our fear, and and he's calling us in the middle of our growing. We're all growing, aren't we? I hope so. As we're following Jesus, we should be growing. And he calls us and he knows exactly that, you know what, yeah, you don't have it all together yet. Yeah, Richie, you're a mess, but I'm still going to use you anyway. Just to show people that I'm a powerful God. <laughs> right? And so he ministers through my life. Peter's response, I think, was actually pretty interesting. He, he didn't react so quickly like he did in the garden when the soldier's coming after Jesus and whack off, you know, the soldier's ear. He definitely wants to be a follower of Christ, but he steps in in a way that I think is kind of interesting. He says, Lord, if it's you, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to follow you. If it's you, tell me to come. He didn't just foolishly jump in the water, but he responded to the Lord in obedient faith. I love that about Peter. He doesn't get it all. Again, he's terrified like a lot of these guys are. But Lord, if that's you and if you're calling me, I want to follow. And so tell me to come. And Jesus says, I want you to be my disciple, come. I want you to learn what it means to live in the power of Christ, so come. Jesus walked on water, not because the boat price was too much, but to show his power, his authority, to show that he was God in the flesh, to show that he was in control of all of this. Peter, come. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks towards Jesus, Peter gets out of the boat and he walks towards Jesus. And I think that's one thing that the Lord is doing in our lives often. Sometimes he has us at a place of rest. But I think truly if we're going to learn to follow Christ, if we're going to be disciples of his, then it's time for us to get out of the boat. You want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your lives? It's time to get out of the boat. God is moving us into following Him and into trusting Him. You know, the boat, I think, for all of us is that place of safety. We know the boat. We know that the boat's going to stay pretty firm. Even in the big waves, we know that we know the boat. We are indeed creatures of comfort, aren't we? We're creatures of convenience. We don't want to be moved too much. Anything that kind of takes us from routine we struggle with. Anything that takes more time than, than we want to spend. We're like, but Lord, you know, I had my day planned out. We're creatures of comfort. You know, I live right over here, and there's a Fred Meyer just down the hill on Chinden. I know Fred Meyer. I know that store. I know where everything is. If I have to go shop for something, I go there to Fred Meyer. Because I know it. And it's it's just like a normal routine. Oh, I just need to go down the hill and pick up something at Fred Meyer. It's a little more expensive there, but I don't care because it's comfortable and it's easy for me. If I needed a gallon of milk and I happened to be going by Walmart, I wouldn't go to Walmart because Walmart scares me. Okay? (laughs) It really does. Have you been in Walmart? It's big. And I always get hit by other people in their carts. I don't know what that is. They just get you every time. That's not comfortable for me. That's not my boat. My boat's Fred Meyer. But truly, what is is your boat? What's your area of of just security? What's your area of safety? God's saying, I know you're in the middle of a storm. I know you're in the middle of this journey with me. I'm calling you to more because I want you I want you to experience the power of Christ in you. What's God calling you out of? Again, you know, for some reason we think our life is our own. Christ keeps teaching us it's not your own. Christ tells us it's his life living out through us that he wants to have take place. So I know that God is calling us out of the boat to learn to live and follow Christ. To whatever degree. And there's no guilt trip there. Like you need to be doing more for Christ. It's just God wants to live his life out through you. And so he's calling you out of the boat. And we're about to experience amazing things in Christ when we let go. And you know that's what Peter does which I love. He abandons himself unto Christ. Doesn't he? He lets go and says Christ I will come and follow you. But what happens in the middle of the journey? Verse 30. And then Peter saw the wind. Fear sets in, doesn't it? His focus goes from worship to the wind. And he starts to sink. You know, I, th- I really believe real discipleship will always have a fear factor to it. It will. Because if we're growing in Christ, what that means is, is we're taking steps of faith. And you know what's true? Every step of faith has a little bit of a fear factor. Doesn't it? It's just not like, woohoo, hoo here we go. It's like, wait a second, how's this going to work, Lord? That's more true to life, isn't it? But we need to surrender fear to faith. And I think that's what God's calling us to. Let's surrender that fear to faith as we become disciples of Jesus Christ. Did you guys miss what I did in the feeding of the 5,000? Why are you doubting now what I'm about to do? Surrender fear to faith. You know what Jesus knows about us? You know what our God knows about us? That we struggle with that. When you go all throughout scriptures, all throughout, really, all the great saints that we want to follow. What are the words of God to them often? Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be afraid. It is me. Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Have not fear as you go and take over the promised land. You ever read just Joshua 1? You know how many times? Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. You know why God keeps saying that to Joshua? Because he's afraid. But you know what I love about our Lord? He knows that about us. But he's moving us, and he's stretching us to take steps of faith. And so Peter doubts, and Jesus says, why did you doubt? I want your faith to grow more. I don't want you to miss what happened. In the other Gospels it says, because they they had lack of faith about the bread and the loaves, the bread and the fish. Sometimes we say Peter failed in his faith. But I think Peter exhibited some amazing discipleship of learning to follow Jesus in this scene. Yeah, you know what? He took his eyes off Christ, the author and perfecter of his faith, like ours. But he wanted to be a follower. And here's the truth about the scene. Guess what? Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. There's all these other guys who have been following Jesus Christ. And guess what? In this whole scene, when Jesus says, Come, there's 11 boat sitters. There is, isn't there? And I think God wants to do more in our lives than have us just sit in the boat. Actually, I know He does. Only through His power and only through the prompting of the Spirit but calling us into life with Christ. Get out of the boat. Peter did. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we've got to get out of the boat. He's calling us to a life of faith and of trust. What does that look like for you, to get out of the boat? Getting out of the boat truly and simply is responding to the Lord Jesus Christ in obedient faith. How does that play out? Where is the Spirit tugging on your heart and calling you? And where is Jesus saying, come? Maybe it's serving in this community, maybe serving at the rescue mission or, or Chrysalis house, wherever God is calling you. Maybe it's, maybe it's giving your life to, to these young ones in this church to, to train them up in the truths of the scriptures, to work in our youth ministry and bring up a next generation. But wait, I'm not cool enough. I don't know how to do this. Exactly. And you really aren't cool. Let's just lay that (laughs) open. Where's God calling you? To step out in obedient faith, to use your life, to trust Him, to go, walk on the water. Maybe it's obedience and making a move towards a broken relationship where God is calling you to be the peacemaker where God is asking you to write a letter to say, you know what? I hate that we have broken relationship. Maybe God is asking you to respond to him in faith that trust him for the hearts of that other person. Where's God calling you to step out in faith? Maybe it's actually going on an incredible mission trip to the Ukraine with your family, right? Welcome back, by the way. It's good to see you. This guy's got in at like midnight last night, so love you. Glad you're here, alive. (laughs) They stepped out in faith with their families. How do you do that with your families? I mean, we're taking our kids to this incredible country where things are not always safe. Christianity is not about safety, friends. You know that. God's calling us to get out of the boat. Jesus reaches out, loves Peter, pulls him up out of the water. They get in the boat together and the wind ceased, and they worship God, glorifying him. Surely this must be the Son of Man. Show that picture of the calm sea. This was my morning devotional every day while we were on the Sea of Galilee. Off my deck. That was my boat in front of my deck. And I would just sit there and worship God. He's in control of that sea. He's in control of our lives. And he places us in the storm. And he also brings us to this place. To a calm sea. A place of peace. A place of rest. A place of living in Christ and learning who he is. And they began to glorify him. You see, he wants us to get out of the boat so that we can learn and know who he is. And experience his power. Here's what Peter experienced in his step of faith. He experienced. Peter did alone. The glory of walking in the power of God on the water. You know, sometimes, I don't know, when I was a little kid, I thought, well, he stepped out of the boat, and then he just sank. But you know what? Peter walked on water. I want to walk on water with Christ in the power of Christ. And he wants you to do the same. You know what I know of Peter? That Peter never forgot that moment. Never forgot it. God's work in his life. And that's what the Lord does in our life and in the spiritual journey. He brings us to a place where we learn to trust more and more and go deeper and deeper. And we remember where he held on to us. And we remember when we lived out life in him, we will praise God. And we can do nothing but like they did, glorify him. He surely is the son of God. And this is who I want to follow. I want to step out of the boat. He attempted something that he wasn't capable of doing himself. There was no power in his strength and his own that can get you to walk on water. It's only the power of God. Don't you want to experience the power of God in your life? We've got to get out of the boat. Life is either as a boat sitter. You know, it kind of reminds me of a guy who's a football player. And he plays for a team who's in the Super Bowl championship. And you're watching the game, and you're on the sidelines, and you're part of this team. All the other guys are out on the field, but you're on the sidelines. And you know what? You experience a great game. And you watch a great game, and you see some amazing plays. But then the game is won by your team. And the players who played in the game come off and have victory and have experienced life in that game. And you were on the sidelines, going, that was a cool game. You can either be a boat sitter, or you can experience the power of Christ, and get out of the boat. And let the Lord lead you, and let the Lord grow you up, and let the Lord have you experience who He is, so that you might know your Christ deeper so that your faith grows more and more, that you fall more in love with your Savior, and you know that he's right there with you in the storm, saying, come. Come out of that boat. Let's pray. Father, you're an amazing God, and we can do nothing but glorify you this morning. So, Lord, I just pray that your spirit will do your work in these dear saints and in my life, that wherever you need to call us to come, for, Father, give us the, the faith, give us the, the strength through the Spirit to actually step out of the boat and follow you. Lord Jesus, uh, all of us, I know, we want to be your disciples. And we want to follow you where you're taking us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we're never out of your sight. And we thank you that, that you uh, allow us even to be in the middle of storms so that our faith may increase. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we glorify you this morning. Amen.